Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 13. I'm impressed I've made it this far. Episode 13, we're doing Animal Farm by George Orwell. We're going to break up. Uh, we've had a couple pretty heavy science episodes. I was going to give myself a break from that. And in high school, it was always easier for me to learn history and English. So I was like, all right, well, let's let's kind of do both. And we'll do George Orwell Animal Farm. Now, I had... I had read this book when I was younger. I'll explain why I picked this topic. I read this book when I was younger. And if you don't know anything about this book, the book Animal Farm is 120 pages. uh, And it's written almost like an Aesop's fable. Like the book itself and what the story is, it's about animals taking over a farm and how that plays out. So the first time I read this in high school, I read it. And was just like, that's a pretty cool story about animals. (laughs) Like, I didn't, I didn't really get any of the, like, I heard in class that, like, ah, it means something about Russia. I don't know. But, like, this book was always in my head as, like, that's like a, I don't know, it's about animals. I don't know what's going on there. Like, I completely missed it the first time around. Although I don't, I don't want to be too hard on myself. That's also how I watch movies. Like, some people watch movies and they understand what things are supposed to mean in a grander scheme. Like that, there was a movie Arrival that came out a couple years ago where Amy Adams talks to aliens. Like aliens come to Earth and they're like, "Yeah, can we get Amy Adams to try to talk to these people?" And she shows up, and then, but that whole movie to me was just watching some lady try to talk to aliens. I was like, "This is so interesting. What's gonna go on? Are they gonna dance together? What's going on?" But then I went and found out. I watched like a a film breakdown of it, and that movie is supposed to be about like having the courage to live your life, knowing that a future may be terribly like the idea of like making a choice if you know there's going to be a horrible future do you still have the courage to live your life uh to the fullest and when i watched that movie i was just like i missed all of that i gotta tell you when she went up there and they were talking in circles it was so fucking crazy like so it's been a theme through my whole life i just i have a hard time i guess it's kind of like magic like i kind of have a hard time seeing what's going on behind the scenes the first time i try to do something so i was like dude we're doing animal farm what the fuck was that really about and it's a great book to have in your back pocket if you ever get stuck in a conversation where, like, somebody's talking about, like, oh, what books have you read? Because, like, there are – those people do exist where, like, I will end up in a conversation circle where they're talking about their favorite books and shit. And I am panicking about, like, I don't really want to admit how much I just don't read or respect reading at, at this point. Like, my life's just too busy. I don't know how people find time to read. So, like – in doing this episode, now I have Animal Farm in my head. And now, anybody listening to this, yo, you will also have Animal Farm in your back pocket if you get caught in one of those conversations. And hopefully, there's enough information on this that, like, it's not like you can throw one thing out. Like, if somebody's like, oh, so what books do you read? Like, dude, you can come back with like a seven punch Tekken combo about Animal Farm. That's the goal on this one. And then, as a side note, as a personal note, um, I may have overworked this a little bit because. Somebody super important in my life, like 10 years ago, tried to talk to me about this book and gave me a compliment about like, because she knew that I read the book Animal Farm and like liked it because I was trying to put on airs that like, oh, I read George Orwell. I'm so cool. So somebody close to me was like, uh, yeah, you're like half that donkey and half that horse. And like at the time, I just blew it off because I was I really just wanted that conversation to stop so she wouldn't discover that I fucking don't understand what that book's about at all. And I just think it's like an animated movie about animals. <laughs> but I, uh, I really regret not, not like, uh, I don't know, being able to appreciate that at the time. So that's why I, 
I put I, uh, put a good amount of work into this one. So, Animal Farm, George Orwell. Let's get it going, dude. Real quick, uh, before we start the actual plot of the book, I'm going to tell you about the book. Okay, so George Orwell wrote it. Um, it's only 120 pages. I covered that. Uh, it's widely regarded as one of the 100 great, greatest books of all time. And uh, politically, it was so impactful that the CIA dropped copies of this book using like hot air balloons from 1952 to 1957 in the countries of Poland, uh, Hungary, and Czechoslovakia during the Cold War because it was such an effective novel condemning the Soviet system. Dude, it's and it's so impressive. Like I will, I will gush about this book because the more I looked into it, the more I really was impressed with this book, man. It's like the movie Madagascar, but it was also politically impactful in such a strong way that the CIA was like, "We can fucking use this. This is like a wet. We can drop this on the other side and just have those people read this book, and this might do our job for us." Like that's how good this book is. All right, and real quick about Orwell, um, George Orwell himself was uh, an English dude and where he got the idea and the life experience to be able to write something like this. Like he wrote a 120 page Aesop's fable about the Soviet system condemning it. So where he got that life experience is that he fought in the civil war of Spain in 1937. And at the time it was fascists against socialists and he's fallen inside of the socialists. Um, and he wasn't just like there hanging out, taking Instagram photos and posting them and being like, I'm here, I'm doing the thing. Like Orwell got shot in the fucking neck like during that civil war. Like he was rough and tumble in that civil war and had a first-hand look at, like, what a political ideology that gets out of control can do. And so that's where he got the inspiration to be able to write Animal Farm. And also, I would like to note that Animal Farm isn't an overall condemnation of, uh, like, socialism. It isn't a condemnation of socialism. It's a condemnation of the Soviet system of socialism that was in place. Like, it's like a brother's love. Because Orwell privately, like, he didn't... Yeah, you know, he kind of was a socialist. He kind of believed in the principles to an extent, but the book was written as a critique of how it has actually been organized into a country at this point, condemning the, the people who were in charge of the USSR. Which just makes it even cooler, because he's not writing it from a perspective of like, fuck you, fuck this whole idea. It's like, no, this idea is all right, but I hate the people who are doing it. Like, he, he it's not a... It's it's the equivalent of, like, it's not a book where, like, George Orwell write, like, yo, fuck country music. I hate all of country music. It's a book about, like, yo, fuck this band. And they all, they play country music, but goddamn, do I, dude, this band blows. But I'm not saying all country music's bad. Privately, I'm kind of interested in country music, and I think there's, you know, there's a time and a place for it. But this band specifically, I, I can't stand these fucking guys. All of it's super smart, man. Anyway, so let's get into the plot. Animal Farm by George Orwell. All right, the book opens up, and we are on a farm that is known and called uh, the Manor Farm. And it's run by a dude named Mr. Jones, and this dude can't stop getting fucked up. He is he is drinking himself to death at an alarming clip, and the farm is in disarray because of it. Right? So one night, Mr. Jones comes home late, and he is fucking hammered, right? just doesn't appreciate what he has, right? You know, you're just getting too fucked up. You can't see how good your life is, you know? Hey, taking advantage of things. What happens then? They get fucking taken from you, you know what I'm saying? So he comes out. He's hammered. He comes home. And there's a pig on the farm that is known as Old Major. Now, Old Major is respected by all the animals. And Old Major calls a meeting. And he's like, yo, 
meet me in the barn. Don't say anything about it. This is a secret meeting. I got to talk to you guys about something. So old major calls this meeting and all the animals of the farm show up. Now this is the introduction of our characters. So we have old major who's this old pig who's got some shit he wants to tell these animals. Our key players are a horse named Boxer. This horse is big as shit. This horse is uh, like Kintaro from Mortal Kombat. He is very strong, um, but he's also not the swiftest. Like He's not very smart, but he's super strong, and all this dude loves to do is be useful and work as hard as he fucking can. He also has, it's noted in the book that he has a white stripe on the middle of his, uh, on the middle of his horse head that kind of makes him look stupid, and people... You know, maybe could make fun of him for it, but he's widely respected because he works his ass off and he doesn't ask questions. He just fucking does shit. All right, we also have in the barn coming to this meeting a donkey named Benjamin. He's the oldest animal on the farm. He's also the wisest. He he never gets worked up over anything. He does his job. He doesn't do anything extra. He just kind of surveys what's going on, keeps his head down. You know, he sees what's happening, but he also kind of picks his spots to be able to express himself. He's a very good friend of the horse boxer. Other animals we got in this barn, we got the hens, we got some other pigs. I mean, it's a farm, right? All the farm animals you can think of, there's some dogs hanging out, a cat strolls in late. Out of the pigs, there's two main pigs that we're going to concentrate on that are very important moving forward. One pig is named Snowball, and one pig is named Napoleon. Also, there are tiers to animal intelligence in this book, and the pigs are the smartest of all the animals as we move forward. So these are like the young up-and-coming pigs, right? So old major, this old, huge, uh, gross, knows-he's-gonna-die pig, starts speaking at this thing. Everybody's there, and old major's like, yo, how you doing? I'm gonna die soon. I, uh, I went to bed, and I had a dream about stuff, and here's what I'm saying. This farm... Right? Mr. Jones stinks, right? This guy can't stop getting fucked up. Why is he why is he in charge of us? Let's just be honest here. We're doing the work. It's not like we're stupid. We're animals talking to each other in this book. We're not stupid. We should take this fucking thing over. I'm telling you, it won't be that hard. Look, the guy's hammer the guy's fucked up every day. He can't beat us. We're a bunch of animals. We should take this fucking thing over. Old Major does it more eloquently than that. Especially the language used in the book, the idea of, like, Old Major tells the cows, like, where has your milk gone? Down the throats of your enemy. Like, he makes a really impassioned speech about how humans are fucking us over. We got to take this farm out. Like, it's four animals by animals, dude. Faba. Four animals by animals. That's basically what Old Major talks about. Everybody gets fired up. They're like, we all do think we're equal. I think it's a great idea. This about how art this about how we want the future to look like after we take over this farm, and that's where the seven tenets or the seven commandments are established of animal society. And they're things like uh, no animal will drink alcohol, no animal will kill another animal, uh, no animal should sleep in a bed. They're, they they pick out all the things that make Mister Jones distinctly human, and make sure to note that like no matter what happens, we don't want to become like this fucking guy, even if we end up running this farm. All right, we got to stay principled, but we are taking this farm over because honestly, we do feel like we're getting fucked up. Like we're just getting Mr. Jones is using all of our hard work to black out. I don't think we should let him do that anymore. All right, so Mr. Jones, the next day, Mr. Jones is hung over his shit because he was blacked out. The animals are like, this is our time, dude. We're doing it. They kick in the food stores. 
They take over every, they eat everything they want. Mr. Jones comes out and tries to like whip them and be like, what are you doing? You fucking animals. What are you doing? Animals are too strong for him. He's hung over. You don't want to fight a bunch of farm animals, dude. You're hung over. He's like, fuck this. And he runs away. He goes into town and goes to the bar. Right, so Mr. Jones, they have the farm at this point. This is huge. The animals have taken over the manor farm. Old Major's dream has been realized way quicker than anybody thought would happen, to be honest with you. So they're celebrating. They go to the top of a hill. They're like, this is great. Dun, 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 dun. Right, so Mr. Jones is in town at the bar, though. And all his drunk friends are like, what the fuck is this? Why are you here? And he's like, dude, my animals took over my goddamn farm. I got to tell you. Like, I'm hungover, but, like, and I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to drink my way through it, hair the dog style. But my animals just beat the shit out of me. That's their farm now. What are we doing? So his friends are like, ah, I can't. We're not doing that, dude. Come on. Let's get some pitchforks. Let's get some sticks. Let's go beat the fucking shit out of some animals. Let's get you this farm back, dude. I've never seen this happen to you. You got to really think about stopping drinking, dude. You drank so much, your animals took your house, okay? That is a high level of alcoholism. We really got to have a talk after this. But right now, let's go hit a bunch of animals with sticks and stuff. Bring one gun. Let's just bring a gun just in case. Fuck it. So Mr. Jones rallies his bar friends. They go back to the manor farm. But after the animals took over, the two... Up-and-coming pigs, Snowball and Napoleon, were quick to try to think about, like, all right, well, we got the farm now. What's going to happen here? So Snowball goes into the farmhouse, and as Mr. Jones is, like, hung over talking to his friends, trying to make excuses for why he drank his way out of owning property via animals, Snowball is in the farmhouse reading accounts of Julius Caesar's battles. He's reading historical books because the pigs can read well because they're most intelligent. So Snowball's like, fuck, we got to plan something. I guarantee they're going to come back and try to take this farm back. So as Mr. Jones was gone, Snowball gets the Julius Caesar's plan, explains it to all the animals. And so then when Mr. Jones comes back, still probably hung over and half drunk at this point with his idiot drunk friends who can't fight because they think they're just going to fucking kick a couple of geese and that'll be over. They stroll down into Manor Farm and Snowball's plan springs into action. He has waves of animals attack them intelligently. Like he has the goose and the dogs go first. They're pecking legs. Then the sheep and the donkey and another horse comes in. And then the last part is like that giant horse comes in. Boxer comes in. He accidentally kicks a guy in the head and kills him. And they're fucking terrified. They're like, we Jesus Christ, you were right about these animals being pissed, dude. Holy shit. They all run away. The animals defend the farm. It's now officially their farm. They have rebuffed Mr. Jones and his idiot friends trying to take it back. So now they have the farm. It's a huge celebration. The battle is referred to as the Battle of Cowshed. That is, Animal Farm is now starting their own historical lore as their new farm slash country moves forward. It is important to note that during this battle... Uh, the one gun was used and like, I think a dog died and also snowball got grazed by the bullet. So snowball after the battle was bleeding out of his back pretty good, but it just looks nothing but heroic. Like it's a great memory. Snowball led the charge, you know, repelled, uh, Mr. Jones and a dog died and that's kind of sad, but you know, they fucking, they own the farm now. It's huge. So Napoleon sees that the one dog died and Napoleon's like, Oh shit, that thing had puppies, huh? So Napoleon, the other smart pig, aside from Snowball, takes the dogs and he hides them. Only he knows where these dogs are. These are his dogs now. Don't worry about it. But they're puppies. It's not a big deal. So that's the end of the, uh, that's the Battle of Cowshed. Now after this, Snowball is like, all right, well, we've secured our borders. We have a country. 
we really got to start educating our people. These animals are all dumb as shit. I can read. And look what I got accomplished because I could read a couple of Julius Caesar's books. We beat the shit out of those humans. It was great. Let's get the rest of these animals reading. So Snowball goes into the barn, writes the seven commandments, and then he also starts trying to teach the other animals the alphabet and basic mathematics and basic agricultural farming shit to be able to farm better because now that it's their farm, they have the responsibility of making sure that things are produced to be able to make money to keep the farm going and keep everybody alive. So while Snowball's doing that, and again, the commandments are like, no animal shall sleep in a bed, no animal shall drink alcohol, four legs good, two legs bad. And when he writes that one, the birds are like, what the fuck, man? But then they have a discussion of like, no, technically your wings count as count as legs, dude. Don't make me explain it, but like, t- t- you got four legs. And what they settle on is that like, actually the most evil part of man is the human hand. So it's like, you guys don't have hands, so that's why we're counting your your wings as legs. So you got wing legs. I mean, this is, it's a technicality, guys. Can you let me slide on this? We're, I'm an animal trying to fucking organize a farm. Just, just let that one slide. And then there's like, no animal shall kill another animal, and all animals are equal. All right, so society's established. The animals work hard because they believe in the ideas. A new idea is their first chance to be able to make something. It's an animal farm. It's literally an animal farm, and that's what they rename it as. From, so it goes from the manor, the manor farm name to the it's known as animal farm they paint that shit new sign animal farm dude so all the animals are like nice i'm psyched i got a chance to make this work they work as hard as they can they have a fantastic harvest they have a great summer right more agricultural production than ever before all the animals are working hard because they have a new ideology that they believe in and they are cranking out potatoes and all sorts of things right so snowball gets the idea after the summer of like yo we got to spread this message to other farms is a great idea. Let's get some other animals in on this. We can we can we can spread this around. We are having a great time. Things are better. Fuck humans. We don't need them. Let's send some pigeons out with this message. Try to rally the troops. Get a couple other farms going. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we trade with each other. This could be a great future. So Snowball, that's his plan for a future of animal farm and how we're going to expand it. Also, it is a very cute detail. The boxer, that super strong horse who's kind of dumb and even looks a little stupid. When they try to teach the animals English and stuff, Boxer tries so hard to learn the alphabet, but he just doesn't have the skill set to be able to nail down the alphabet. There's a part in the book where, like, he's trying so bad to learn the alphabet, but all he can remember is to trace A, B, C, D, E with his horse. With his horse foot, like, he's just over and over again doing the first five letters because that's as far as he can go. And he can get the second five letters... And he can trace those, but then he can't do the first five. Like, dude, his brain capacity is five letters max, and he's kind of embarrassed about it, but he tries really hard. I like that part of the book as far as rounding out the character of Boxer. really makes me like him. All right, so Snowball's sending out pigeons, trying to spread the word. He's also trying to really encourage education. And this is when we have a rift between the two main pigs, Snowball and Napoleon. Now, up until now, Snowball's really been kind of crushing it. He's like a war hero in that battle against the humans. He's also, you know, championing the idea of education moving forward. Napoleon, you know, he's he's there, he's up and coming, but he's kind of losing to Snowball at this point. So the reason there's a rift is because Snowball comes up with an idea of like, look, the future animal farm, this is what it's got to look like. We got to build a fucking windmill, okay? It's going to be a lot of work, but we got to build a windmill it can get us so many benefits. We'll have electricity. You can have lights. 
you you can have a three-day work week. The amount of labor we do now is comparable to what we did under Jones. If we have a windmill going, if we bust our ass to make a windmill, we can have like a, a four- or three-day week, and then we'll just chill. Don't even worry about it. This is a great idea. And Napoleon is just like, this is a fucking terrible idea. Hate this guy. He's so full of shit. This is never going to work. We just need to concentrate on making as much agricultural production on our farm as possible. We shouldn't be wasting our time with a fucking windmill. It's a terrible idea. But everybody's kind of on snowball side, and they're like, I don't know. It seems like a good idea. And Napoleon's like, oh, yeah, one more thing. And then he makes like a gross pig noise. It's described in the book as like like a fucking gross disgusting pig noise and then those puppies by now have become dogs and they're not full grown but they're pretty fucking big so napoleon makes that pig noise those dogs come out of nowhere and try to murder snowball this was supposed to be a peaceful meeting and all of a sudden these dogs came out of nowhere napoleon let the dogs out and fucking snowballs getting chased out this is an attempted animal murder this goes against the the commandment we wrote this is crazy all the animals watching this are like what the fuck snowball gets chased out into a neighboring farm known as frederick's farm that's the dude who owns it mr frederick so snowball's gone and then napoleon's like all right guys sorry about that we uh here's the thing i have secret information snowball not our friend He's trying to sabotage us the whole time. That's why I had to chase him out with those dogs, to be honest with you. He's got nothing but bad ideas. Do you remember when he was just saying, oh, we should just focus on our own agricultural production and not build that windmill? Here's the thing. I I think that my idea to build a windmill is such a great idea. Do you guys think it? And then the, all the animals watching are kind of stupid. And they're like, what the fuck is he talking about? He just hated the windmill like 10 minutes ago. And now he's saying it's his eye. I'm confused at what this was. Where those dogs go? I'm so fucking scared. So in chasing chasing Snowball out, Napoleon now seizes control of the farm. And then he bogarts Napoleon's idea of a windmill because he knows it's a good idea. He just didn't want to concede that, like, oh, the other pig who may be leading this place has a pretty good idea. So he's like, fuck that. Here are the dogs. Get the fuck out of here. Also, that's my idea. Remember, guys, from 12 minutes ago when I brought this up? Nobody say anything. I got these dogs. These dogs didn't get him. They can eat you too. Fucking chill. We're going to build a windmill. It's my idea. So that's how Napoleon seizes control of the animal farm. All right. So construction on the windmill begins. It's going to be a lot of work. It's a cold winter. But all the things that Snowball thought of, of like, well, this will save us labor time. This will bring animal farm into the future. Those are all real things. And that's why Napoleon stole the idea. It's a really good idea. So everybody's pitching in to build this windmill with the exception of the pigs because at this point in time the pigs are kind of like well we're thinkers we do the brain work you know you guys can't do brain work let's go you're all idiots right okay so we don't really have to help you drag stones from the quarry or anything we're just going to supervise we're pigs you know and all the animals are still kind of fucked up from watching snowball almost get murdered and they're like all right i guess man whatever Right, so the animals are working their ass off to get this windmill done, Boxer especially. This is a situation where Boxer can shine, and he knows it because his skill set is an incredible work ethic, and he's strong as fuck. He's the strongest animal on the farm, by far. So Boxer is busting his ass, dragging huge fucking Tetris block stones up from a quarry on his own, just crushing it. 
because he knows that it's a it's a time where he can be useful. So he's being as useful as he can, and he's not asking questions. He he's like that dog thing was weird. I don't fucking know what's going on. I'm just tired of everybody knowing that I'm dumb and thinking that I might be completely worthless. So I'm just going to help build this windmill as quick as I can. Right? Mm-hmm. Rations are cut. It's a really miserable winter, but they get the windmill built. It's a big deal. So now there's a windmill up. But the pigs at this point have moved into the farmhouse. It's not that they're it's not that they're just not helping with the windmill. They're now sleeping in Mr. Jones's house, man. And what's worse than that, they're sleeping in beds, dude. If you look in the barn, the seven commandments are written up there. You don't you don't sleep in a bed is like number one, dude. What the fuck are they doing? And that will foreshadow the beginning of kind of a descent because now the pigs have separated themselves from the other population, even physically during sleeping. It's more than just a power hierarchy at this point. The pigs have now taken up shop in the fucking farmhouse. And once it's discovered that they're doing that, one of the commandments gets changed on the barn. This one pig, which we haven't introduced yet, but his name's Squealer. He's kind of like their PR guy. He comes out with a thing of paint and he changes the commandment from like, no animal should sleep in a bed into like no animal should sleep in a bed with sheets. He just writes with sheets at the end. And some animals notice like Benjamin, the donkey who's really swift on the uptake. He notices, but he's like, what the fuck am I going to say about this? I'm just watching this play out. Other animals don't know if it's always been like that or is it new or what? It's just very disorienting. And we're still coming off. You know, it wasn't so long ago. We saw snowball almost get murdered. That was crazy. Now we built this windmill and now they're sleeping in sheets. Like this is kind of getting out of control at this point. So Mr. Jones, I don't know where he's sleeping at this point. It's not really addressed in the book, but the guy who used to own this farm still doesn't own this farm. Best I can figure. He's like sleeping in the basement of the bar. He's just getting fucked up at that bar and talking shit. So he's telling everybody at the bar, like, Give it a year. They're going to starve out. They don't know how to run shit. They're not going to be able to survive because they'll have food shortages. Don't worry about it. And as he's talking at the bar, he's talking a little too loud because there's a businessman named Mr. Wimper. And he overhears that there might be food shortages at Animal Farm. So he's like, oh, yeah, I don't give a fuck about Mr. Jones. It's time to make some money, dude. I only give a shit about money. So Mr. Wimper starts investigating how to trade with Animal Farm to be able to make profit because if he's the only one trading with them, he can charge whatever the fuck he wants because that's the only source that they can get things. So he can make some real coin trading to these animals slash pigs that are running this thing. He doesn't give a shit, dude. Whatever. Back at the farm. This is when things get even crazier. So... Mr. Wimper comes to the animal farm and talks to Napoleon and Napoleon strikes a deal with him about like, yo, I'll give you 600 eggs or whatever. How many 800 eggs, a bunch of eggs, and then we'll trade for back and forth of goods. You only deal with me. Don't worry about it. You're only talking to me. Napoleon tells that PR guy they have squeaker about this. And then squeaker comes out and he's like, Hey, what's up? What's up? Hens. How you doing? Uh, remember when we said we're just going to keep all our stuff for ourselves? Well, we kind of we changed that. Napoleon's so wise that he has gone and made an alliance with somebody to trade with so we can continue increasing our prosperity. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to need 
a, t- a lot of eggs from you. We're going to take almost all your eggs, man. I'm going to be honest with you, but it's for the good of the farm. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you're eager to do it. And why is Napoleon, you know, he wouldn't mislead us, guys. Here we go. Let's get excited for it. And all the hens are like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm not doing this shit. So the hens go on a strike. The hens are like, I'm not, I'm not making any eggs. I don't care. I'm not eating. I'll fucking starve to death. Fuck this. So the hens go on strike. And then there's a meeting after a couple of days where the hens are on strike. And Napoleon calls. We're back at the barn. And Napoleon is like, you guys are on strike, right? And all the animals are there. And the hens are like, yeah, it's fucked up. We're not going to give you our eggs. Remember? We're like, it's supposed to be for us. Remember? What is this shit? And Napoleon's like, all right, cool. That's what I thought you thought. And then whistles. And uh, I guess one of the and one of the commandments gets changed after this. The one that no animal should kill another animal gets changed to no animal should kill another animal without just cause. Because Napoleon makes that gross pig sound, and then the dogs come out and rip out the throats of all the chickens, just in front of everybody, in front of all the other animals, just chicken slaughter. You know, sad part of the book. And what's even crazier is after the chickens get their throats cut out, Napoleon is like, anybody else got shit to say? Anybody else want to talk some shit? Go ahead and confess now. What are you doing? And then some animals are like, oh, I stole a good thing, a kernel of wheat. Gets a throat cut out. Another animal is like, I was thinking about throat. See ya. I don't know how your neck's doing, but your throat's not in there anymore. There's animals who just come forward and confess shit. And by the end of this meeting, Napoleon has just a pile of carcasses in front of him that used to be farm animals and friends for the rest of the animals in the room. Fucking terrifying. At this point, we've gone from, like, striving for a utopia based on these commandments of that dream that that old major fat pig had. I'm looking at a bunch of animals with no throats in them now. And there's no humans. But the pigs are doing this to us. This is crazy, right? Everybody's fucking terrified. But... What are you going to do? Nobody says anything. Keep it rolling. Now, in the town where Mr. Jones is, everybody sees that Mr. Wimper is getting paid, dude. He is making a bunch of money off this animal farm. And then that upsets other farmers. That upsets Mr. Jones more, but he already had his... I mean, people aren't really listening to him, but then they see that Mr. Wimper's making a bunch of money, and they're like, yo, fuck these animals, dude. I have had enough of this shit. So an even bigger group of dudes with more guns come back, and they... Come down to the manor farm, which is now called the animal farm. This is a second attack on the animal farm by humans. And it's also led by their neighbor, Mr. Frederick, who kind of tried to buy lumber off of Napoleon. Napoleon was like, fucking no, dude, I'm not selling it to you. I hate you. There's been like relations back and forth. Like Napoleon has been telling the animals that perhaps Snowball is in league with Mr. Frederick. So Mr. Frederick is so evil. He's such a piece of shit. So Mr. Frederick and Jones come in, lead a second wave of attack on the animal farm. Now, this is different from the first battle because there's more dudes and the animals no longer have Snowball on their side. There's no plan for this. Napoleon isn't a thinker. There's a giant group of dudes coming down and Napoleon's like, oh my fucking God. And he tries to rally them and be like, here we go. We got, but there's no plan. There's no Julius Caesar battle tactics being used here. And it's still dudes and a couple of guns against animals. And it's more than last time. And the animals have no tactics. Dude, this battle is rough. This battle looks like twisted metal, dude. These animals get fucked up. And the guys get fucked up, too. Fucking the boxer, like, kicks three horses in the head. Or three dudes in the head just kills three guys. 
like a ton of animals get slaughtered, dude. It is twisted metal of animals. Mr. Krim's flying around. It's a mess, but the animals don't lose, but during the middle of the battle, the animals are pushed back so far that they, they can't protect the windmill that they built. They spent the whole winter building that windmill. It's awesome. The humans get to it. And all the animals are watching from safety and being like, what, we, what, what the fuck's going on? They, there's no way they're going to destroy that windmill. That thing's built way too strong, man. There's no way they're going to do it. And Benjamin the donkey sees what the guys are doing, and he's like, yup. You see him? They're drilling that hole right there. They're drilling a hole in it. They're going to pack it with blasting powder, dude. They're going to blow up our fucking windmill. That's what we deserve. This is what's going to happen, dude. This is what's going to happen. And sure as shit, dude, that is exactly what happens. And the windmill is blown up. The humans explode the windmill. The animals are irate after they see that because they've suffered so much for this windmill. Animals come charging out of safety. Fuck the humans up even more. The humans are like, Jesus Christ, I got to get out of here. Napoleon does that gross pig noise. The dogs come in. They chase the humans out. I mean, it's a victory, technically, but they've lost the windmill, man. The windmill was so important. And all the animals are like, God damn it, dude. They blew our windmill up. And Squeaker, that little scumbag pig, comes out and he's like, Oh, a glorious victory for Animal Farm. Oh, we did so well. And all the animals are like, Dude, what are you talking about, man? They blew up our windmill, bro. What are you talking about? We lost that shit. And Squeaker's like, no, we still have the land we're on. You know, it's a great victory. We'll build six windmills. He says that. He says that in the book. We'll build six windmills. This fucking guy didn't didn't move a pebble to build the first one. He's over here being like, we're going to build six of them. The animals are like, this sucks, dude. Fuck. But what are they going to do? It's time to build a second windmill. I mean, they don't forget all those throats that got ripped out and... I mean, this is definitely not the farm they envisioned, but if they say shit, they're going to get murdered. So it's time to build a second windmill. So the pigs, they're not even outside to supervise at this point. They're just chilling in the house. And, like, the animals are like, all right, we'll build another one. And Boxer sees this as, like, because there was a retirement age set for horses when the animal farm was first made of 12 years old. And Boxer is 11 and like 10 months old. Like he's almost retired. He's an old horse. And it cites in the book that after the windmill gets blown up and it's said that they're going to build a second one, Boxer for the first time maybe ever is like, I don't know if I'm strong enough to be able to do that. Like to himself. He doesn't say it to anybody, but he questions his own ability to be able to build a windmill again because he's so old, man. But he sees it's time to build a second windmill. This is all he's ever known is to work his ass off. So he's out there and he's like, fuck it. I retired in two months. I'm hauling these Tetris blocks, dude. Let's get it going. I'll build it again. I don't give a shit. Don't talk to me about anything. I don't want to hear about politics. I'm just, I'm hauling these blocks. We're building it again. I don't give a shit. He injures his hoof at one point. People are like, Boxer, you are, you got to calm down, dude. You are going to fuck yourself up if you keep working like this. And Boxer doesn't care. Boxer, his, his quote in the book is like, I must work harder. That's all this guy does. That's all he's doing. And what that leads to is because he's got an injured hoof, he doesn't let it heal. Boxer suffers a collapsed lung during the second build of the windmill. Collapses. Working to it, works himself to death. Super scary. Benjamin the donkey, his good friend, comes up to him. And this part of the book broke me up a little bit because Benjamin the donkey goes up. The boxer, who's, he just wanted to work hard, man. He blew his fucking lung out. And, bo- and boxer's like, I think it'll be okay. I think I have enough stone up here for you guys to finish the windmill without me. I'm really sorry about it. 
and and like Benjamin's his friend. He doesn't even know what to tell him. I like, I don't know. It's just a really good moment of the book where it's like that, that dude was just working so hard. He didn't even, he didn't even think about his own lungs and shit. And he's like, and boxers like, well, it's okay. If, if they take me to the vet, I'll have like another three years and then I'll retire. And like during my last couple of years, like you're old too, you can retire too. Because Benjamin the donkey was old as shit. They would have retired kind of at the same time. And Boxer's like, if we retire together, maybe I, I can work hard at learning the alphabet. It always bothered me that I didn't know more than five letters. You know, that was my plan for retirement. So Boxer's laying there and everybody freaks out. And they're like, we got to fucking, we got to get some medicine. This dude is our, this dude does so much fucking work on this farm. Can we please get a, an animal doctor in here? Jesus, we got to save this fucking guy. Right, so they stabilize him. The pigs give him some sort of fucking pink medicine out of a medicine cabinet that isn't for collapsed lung, dude. You got to call a vet at this point. Everybody's freaking out. And Napoleon's like, all right, boxer's very important to us. I'm going to call a vet. He's going to come here. He's going to take him away. Don't worry about it. We got it. But Napoleon didn't even really say it. He says that through like that shit, like squeaker, that little fucking idiot. Because Napoleon, at this point, isn't really addressing the animals themselves unless it's time to rip throats out. He's like, he's just getting hammered. At some point, he discovered booze, and he's just getting fucked up, just like Mr. Jones did. They changed the commandment to, like, thou shalt not drink alcohol in excess because the pigs like to get fucked up now because they're trading with Mr. Wimper and getting booze, making their own booze. But Napoleon's like, all right, we're going to take Boxer to the hospital. Here we go. All right, so a day goes by. And this happens in the morning when all the animals are working that all of a sudden they see Boxer's stall is empty. And they look and they see Boxer is in the back of a cart and it's pulled by two horses. And they're like, oh, nice. He's going to the vet. Thank God. I was so worried about him. They'll fix him right up, right? But then some of the animals read the side of the cart and Benjamin, his friend, reads the side of the cart and the cart reads Alfred Simmons horse slaughterer and glue boiler dude benjamin loses his fucking mind screaming just screaming at boxer to kick his fucking way out man you got sold out napoleon sold your body he can't get labor out of you anymore he sold you to get slaughtered bro kick your fucking way out and there's a part in the book where boxer but boxer's old man they say in the book, like, if he was young, he could have kicked his way out. No fucking problem, dude. Killed both those horses and kicked that driver in the head, too, for good measure. But he's old now. He's going to retire. He's hurt. And he caught. He, he got shot in the ass during the, second, during the second battle of the windmill, man. He can't break out. He can't get out. And Benjamin's screaming, trying to follow that cart. But the cart won't stop, man. The guy driving it whips it, and the horses go a little faster, and... Benjamin can't keep up with it, dude. He has to watch his friend go get murdered, dude. And then later on, they find out that that night, the pigs in the house with Napoleon, they, they, got, a, they got a case of whiskey. So you find out that Napoleon sold Boxer for a case of whiskey to get fucked up again. But that's not the end of the book. For me, that was the high, that was the emotional high point of the book where I got, dude, I got so fired up reading that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That was losing my mind. But I love that Orwell doesn't, he doesn't finish the book there because there's, there's still the last part of the book that makes you, after he's brought you to such an emotional like sting in the book that now you have to go and you have to watch 
the rest of the book, which is just the pigs completely becoming way fucking worse at running the farm than Mr. Jones ever was, dude. They're getting fucked up. They're, they just don't give a shit at all. They find out they, they sell the lumber to Mr. Frederick and they're like, Oh, we were, oh, that was lies. Sorry. Like there's just complete insanity. The animals don't know what to believe. Napoleon's getting fucked up. It's just a complete mess. And then the end of the book is, uh, Benjamin, the donkeys looking in one night in the farmhouse. And then Napoleon and all the other pigs have the other farmers, Frederick and the other, the guy on the other side, his name was like uh, Plinkerton or something. They're all in the the main room and Benjamin's looking through the window and he's watching them play cards and they're just talking shit about like, oh, we're going to change the name back to the Manor Farm so we can trade with more people. Don't worry about, you know, we love uh, working with you guys. You know, humans are the best, dude. They're shitting on the animals and being like, they're so fucking stupid. They work hard for no reason and they're playing cards and then. At the end of the book, Napoleon gets caught trying to cheat at cards against a human. And the last the last part of the book is that Benjamin states that through the window, the pig's face is warped to such a degree that he couldn't tell which pigs, what was pigs and what was human. He couldn't tell. And that's the end of the book. And that's George Orwell's Animal Farm. Now, that's how I read it the first time. Right? Isn't that just a great story about animals? Right? I mean, it ends kind of sad. But that's how I read it the first time, and I was like, oh, great. I don't know what any of that shit means. That's fine. Now, if you want the layers of what all that stuff means, you probably guessed at it by now. You knew it was a Soviet system. So Old Major at the beginning uh, is either Lenin or Marx himself uh, putting forth these ideas. Snowball and Napoleon, the two pigs that end up trying to run the farm. Now, Snowball represents Leon Trotsky, and Napoleon represents Joe Stalin. Now, if you if you look at the history of the Soviet Union, there was a power struggle after Lenin died, and then Stalin chased Trotsky out of the country to be able to bulldog power from. We actually, uh, I think we covered that in a prior episode. We touched on it real quick. And then, as you look, um, this is actually a throwback to Magneto Gorsk episode six because the first windmill uh, is Soviet industrialization, the idea of having to get your country to a place where you can have a brighter future. That's what the construction of the first windmill is. And then the second attack, when Mr. Fredericks, who people speculate represents Adolf Hitler, comes back and leads an attack on Animal Farm, that's World War II and Operation Barbarossa, where Hitler almost annihilated the Soviet Union. And that's why at the end of it, the windmill's blown up. Russia was so fucked up at the end of World War II, but they technically won and still had their land. The whole book is so smart. I love this book so much. It's such a good book. And Boxer represents, remember in the Magneto Gorsi episode at the end, the idea of the Soviet spirit, the belief in just working hard for a cause because all the all you know you can do is work your ass off. Boxer represents the idea of like the Soviet work ethic or the, the work ethic of the Russian people. Now, it has nothing to do with the leadership. And if you look at the book and what it is and how fucking smart it is, man, it's a it's a hundred and twenty page Aesop's fable that's that runs the exact lines of the history of the Soviet formation of the Soviet Union. 
And then at the end of it, it ends terribly because Orwell was, when he wrote it, Orwell wrote it in 1944, uh, 43-44, he didn't know, he was terrified that this would just continue on to just degradate and degradate. He didn't have, he didn't know the Soviet Union would collapse in 91. He was terrified, so that's where the book ends. With like the the people in power morphing into the people that they taught, they said not to be, and how that future is going to be even worse than it is now. That's how the book ends. There's also a side note where um, organized religion is hit on because there is a crow character that when the animals first take over, Napoleon kicks out because Stalin also was like organized religion can fuck off because he, Stalin knew that he had to progressively indoctrinate his people with the idea of the love and belief in the Soviet system. So re- organized religion would have contended with that in the minds of his people. So he kicks the crow out and then actually towards the end of the book, Napoleon brings the crow back and he breaks him off like a beer a day because the people, a.k.a. the animals, are starting to get rammy about, like, this isn't what we wanted. So the crow comes back to be able to tell those people about, like, you know, the afterlife and all that stuff and religion as a way to quell possible rebellion within the ranks of the animal farm. Also, Napoleon openly condemns the crow and says, like, oh, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But at the same time, behind the scenes, he's giving him a beer a day to come and talk shit to the animals to keep him pacified. Great book. Uh, if you want quote pulls, if you are going to write an essay on this, uh, I would do it on progressive indoctrination. And uh, I went through and did like a bunch of quote pulls that are spaced out throughout the book. So if you are going to write a paper and, uh, you know, you don't want all the quotes from like a 10 page chunk because your, your professor is going to be like, all right, so you read 10 pages of this and then the fucking internet for the rest. So there's a there's a bunch of instances where like uh, a progressive indoctrination is the idea that like Napoleon couldn't right away tear out everybody's throat and start living in a farmhouse getting fucked up and not caring about people. He had to do it slowly and the book traces that about the progressive indoctrination of the people allowing Napoleon to continue to be a fucking maniac moving forward. So like the first instance is page 44 where Napoleon kind of steals the milk and the pigs just start eating the milk and doesn't explain it. Um, you know, there's a, I don't know if I want to go through this, but the, the concept of like, I don't know, page 76, um, is when the animal farm would engage in trade with humans. That's a huge jump off point. I'll post all this shit on the Instagram if you want. Uh, what do you mean? If you want, yeah, I'm going to post it on the Instagram. What the fuck else am I going to do with it? But, uh, that'd be a pretty cool thing to write a paper on if you want. Um, but again, I'm not telling you how to live your life. And other than that, I think that's the episode. It is an excellent uh, fucking book that I didn't I didn't understand. I'm really happy to have looked into it. And uh, if the person who gave me that compliment like more than 10 years ago about the donkey horse thing is listening, sorry. And uh, I'll probably text you to go get eggs sometime this week, man. Didn't understand. I didn't get it. But hey, thanks for listening. Um, that's episode 13, George Orwell Animal Farm. Um, yeah, thanks so much. I think this will be the only one of the week, but... Uh, I really like doing this one. So thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll talk to you later on. Bye.